0: This is Pandemic Buzz, a place where resilience practitioners gather to listen to insights from crisis management, business continuity, and crisis communications professionals. I'm your host, Devin Strumentis, a managing director at Widow O'Brien's, a firm solely dedicated to supporting clients to prepare, respond, and recover from devastating events. Throughout this series, you'll hear from subject matter experts from a variety of industries and geographies. The intent is to share insights and best practices that you can adopt during these unusual times, or at the very minimum, some human elements that will further connect us as we adapt to new routines, both at work and at home. Steve, thanks again for being a guest today on Pandemic Buzz.
1: Devin, my pleasure. Glad you could have me.
0: Can you tell our listeners your name, title, and where your focus is placed within your school?
1: Okay. My name is Dr. Steve Goldman. I'm a senior lecturer at MIT. We offer two crisis courses over the summer for our professionals in business continuity and advanced business continuity. I'm also adjunct over at Harvard, where I teach uh, risk communications, crisis communications, and exercises. But my real background is in business continuity and crisis management. I've been manager of business continuity for a Silicon Valley firm. uh, And now I do consulting um, on the side to pay for my cat food.
0: Language and definitions are incredibly important for resilience practitioners. However, they're often intermixed as they're used across a company. You know, with that in mind, have your customers classified this pandemic as a crisis, or are they simply referring to it as business continuity initiative?
1: No, everybody believes, everyone knows it's a crisis. Uh, The pandemic, especially this one, is a crisis. One thing about business continuity is an element of crisis management, Uh, also that would be crisis communications crisis leadership and in some cases it disaster recovery so definitely a crisis
0: did the people feel like they were prepared for an event like this as a result of prior training or exercises or even like prior experiences and if they did feel that way do anybody share like specific items that led to that feeling
1: well my clients were of course because we prepared them for that however no one expected the the hugeness the size the breadth of this uh, pandemic. So it's one thing to practice work from home. It's one thing to practice. You can't get into the office for a day or two, but this weeks and months is is really something new. If people had pandemic plans and they practiced them, they exercised them, that would be great. One of my clients is a bank, and a banking system actually, and they used to have uh, severe weather. They had work from home days and even practice work from home weeks. So when this hit, they were they were set. There was no transition problems. They just went into the work from home mode. So preparation is key.
0: What unique corporate or cultural attributes have made companies more effective during the pandemic response?
1: First one is you need to accept reality. Yeah, just, okay, this has occurred. Get the the rosy scenarios. This has occurred. Deal with it. The second thing I would say is leadership. You need strong leadership to get up and say, okay, this is where we are. This is what we have to do. Let's take out the plans and make it move. And the third thing, Devin, is communications. That is so critical. Imagine you're sitting at home and no one talks to you for a week. You feel abandoned. You feel left out. So communication is very, very important. One CEO, um, actually several that I'm familiar with, they give daily updates to their work from home staff. Even if it's something like there's no change, but we're still working on this, good job. And people think this is really good. Our CEO is taking the time to deal with this. So that communication is a key leg of what's important for this.
0: And same question in terms of unique corporate or cultural attributes. Are you seeing anything that's uh, making companies less effective, putting up roadblocks and hindering their, their capabilities at this point?
1: Yeah, there's, there's two interesting things. One is, of course, the lack of communications. And the other is when companies say, 20, pick a number, 25% of their staff can't perform their functions. And they're trying to say, well, the rest of the 75% can take that up. Well, that works, but only to a point. You put stress on people; they reach a hump, and pretty soon their their productivity starts going down. And so you just can't say, "Well, you're 25% are gone; the rest of you're going to take up the uh, uh, the ladder." Not going to work. So p- companies really need to look at that. That's been an interesting phenomenon.
0: Has there been a decision or decisions this crisis has forced you into that you never in a million years thought you would make?
1: Well, a million years ago, I was dealing with dinosaur recovery <laughs> plans. So, uh, but now um, shutting down the office. You know, it's one thing for a day or even a week for a heavy storm, but you know, shutting down offices, shutting down schools. You know, at MIT, we went online in the end of March, and we're still, th- we're even now thinking about what are we doing next September. So we're putting courses online. Uh, the work from home, like I said, the need, uh, the need for that. People are looking at: Do we really need offices? How much of our staff can work from home, and do we really need a gleaming steel and glass building when we can just have people work from home? That's working differently. Another thing is employee assistance. You know, work from home is one thing, but family, when people work from home, it's like, okay, now my family's involved. Every day is work from home, is bring your kid to work day. How is that impacting people? This is not going well for some companies and for some people. So they're looking at that. Now, a big one, which is interesting, a bank, banking system, you know, a worldwide bank, one of my clients They had a buddy system. So let's say the bank in Boston failed for whatever reason. Their buddy bank, which is in Kansas City, would pick up the slack, would be able to run the Boston operations for a couple of days. And then, you know, for you up to a week was the plan. And then we said, okay, well, let's look at the real extreme. If Boston goes down and Kansas City goes down, we need a third backup. So we picked Los Angeles. That worked now. Think about it. Today, all three offices cannot respond. So never in a million years did we think all three offices would go down.
0: You've touched a little bit about communications, too, throughout those aspects. What have you learned about connections with employees and the ability to communicate with them during the pandemic?
1: Well, um, this is not a lesson. It should not be a lesson, especially in a crisis. But communications are absolutely necessary. So again, it's it's not a lesson, especially in a crisis. Even if, like I said before, the, the communication is there's no change. At least people are understanding what's going on. So uh, that is is so critically important, and not just by a phone call. It's like all means necessary. Social media, targeted social media, internal channels and social media, so only company employees receive that. So, again, uh, they've learned that it's important. They know that it's important, but they have to realize we need to use all channels and make sure employees hear it, not listen to it, hear it.
0: In terms of physical or behavioral changes at offices, what do you think companies are going to need to do to get ready for employees returning, site readiness?
1: All right. There's going to be office social distancing. I've seen lots of papers on that, a lot of pictures, to the point where you walk into an elevator. On the elevator floor, it tells you where you can stand and what direction you can face. It's phenomenal. So office social distancing, distancing is going to be the big one. Employee testing. When employees walk in, uh, they're going to be tested. Uh, Some companies are planning to do the uh, thermal thermometers where they point it at your forehead. They take a measurement and then they have a policy on um, what to do. So that's that's going to be the new reality. HR policies. uh, If I start coughing in a classroom or one of my students starts coughing in the classroom, like, what do I do? Do I report that to HR, tell the person to leave? These are issues and they're very highly personal issues that need to be addressed. And so there's going to be a lot of changes. That are coming. One last one, just as I think of it, is sick days. I'm fine, but my 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 son is not well. My wife is not well. My daughter's not well. I stay home. What's the policy on that? So again, there's going to be a lot of changes to be made, and they're coming soon, if not already.
0: Indeed, going back to the topic of the, the temperature taking, that's something that I'm discussing a lot with my clients. And it's getting into the legal aspects of policies in terms of once a temperature is taken, is it a medical record? Is it not a me- medical record? How do you handle that? Where have the conversations you have been hearing, where are they circling around on that topic?
1: Well, right now, no one's complaining about it because they all want to get back to work. But once people get back to work, Devin, those things are going to happen. It's kind of like an interesting parallel with social media. So a company has a crisis or just a day-to-day event, you, Devin, go on social media to say your opinion. Well, there's company policies against that, but my lawyer friends tell me that's against First Amendment rights. This is our huge gray area in that. It may be a point where, well, you have to volunteer to work and take this temperature test, but if you don't volunteer, you can't work. So it's kind of like the old catch-22. I'm not a lawyer. I don't deal with that, but it's going to be interesting to see what HR and legal come up with.
0: Once we get the site ready and measures have been put in place, all the parameters, new parameters and social distancing, the behaviors have changed, the the facility, the space is ready. What do you think is going to change in terms of workforce planning? Like, how are people thinking about bringing people back? I've heard phases, percentages, A, B days. What are you hearing amongst your clients?
1: Yeah, the facility, I'm sorry, the uh, companies need to be preparing now. They need a plan and need it approved by the organization. So think about this. Any organization is built on three pillars, facilities, IT, and people. So without all three of those, you cannot bring an organization back, whether you're making a car, doing a bank, or making cupcakes. So you need to bring facilities, IT, and people back. So you need a plan for that. With facilities, think about this. I'm not going back to the the school, or you're not going back to your office, unless you are sure that the facility is clean and safe and disinfected. Okay, otherwise you're not going back. So it's up to the company to say to facilities, okay, folks, make it happen. You know, where are the signs posted? You know, uh, just as an interesting sidelight, there's a difference between clean, sanitize, and disinfect. Let me quiz you, Devin. What's the difference? Mm,
0: I think think (laughs) it depends on your perspective, right? Sanitize sounds more powerful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, clean, okay, sanitize, and disinfect is move, remove, and kill the germs. Good. That's the difference. So when someone says they're cleaning it, no, 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 I want disinfection. I want to make sure those germs are dead. Anyway, these types of policies we need to think about. You get you get an A plus because at least you tried. No
0: problem. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. A for effort. <laughs> there uh, you go. But, but that brings up another kind of tangent to this conversation. So from a communications perspective, and there's a little bit of change management that needs to be practiced here. You know, we, we're putting out guides and seeing others that are putting comms plans together for return to work and some are structuring it like a month out two weeks out a week out what are some other best practices that you're seeing in terms of really instilling that confidence in staff okay
1: uh, again I, I go back to the facilities with the uh, disinfecting of the operations making it look good as well as being good making it you know making it show that you care as well as fully actually caring the other thing to look at is dependencies you just can't say okay I've got a, a car manufacturer or a bakery. Uh, Let's just bring everybody back. So you look at your dependencies. So to build something, you need parts, you need supplies. Well, to get those, you need purchasing. And to get purchasing back, you need IT. So you can see you just can't bring back the manufacturing people without getting the parts and supplies. So, you know, in our field, you look at the business impact analysis. and you come up with your dependencies analysis. To get to point C, I need A and B. What are A and B? Supply chain is very important, but also distribution chain. Once you make your cupcakes or your cars or your insurance policies, how do you get that out there? How do you make sure your people have it, and how's it going to work? So it's a it, it's a complicated solution, but it's not insurmountable. It just takes people to sit down and think about their processes, what they do, how the system works, and how they want it to work under the new environment.
0: Now that we're actually experiencing the first-in-a-generation pandemic, how do you think this will impact how companies in general conduct business going forward? Because with the services organization that supporting myself, it's a lot of person-to-person and experiential kind of relationships that are managed.
1: Yeah. Uh, first of all, work from home is here to stay. It's just a matter of how much. Actually, I'm doing a research paper on that. And a lot of companies, you know, a lot of people like work from home, but this is over a month or two. It's kind of like new uh, let's see how it works over the long term. There are a lot of problems with work from home, but they're not insurmountable. the The social distancing, you know, to some degree, is, is going to still be part of the the new normal, as we say. And hopefully, you know, my humble opinion, I just hope it it goes away. I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of a lot of the social distancing practices, although they're absolutely necessary. I just don't like them personally. You know, hopefully they'll vanish someday. But you know, not me to call. For example, on airplanes. Are they going to get rid of all middle seats? That's something some of them are thinking about, but that's going to impact revenue. So there's going to be a cost factor. So there's this huge balance that people have to think about. So that's going to impact them. Education, I cannot emphasize enough the, the need for personal interaction, questions, you raise your hand, you look at kids or, and, and students' faces. You know, you can't do that online. And so, you know, a lot of classes are going to be held online, but uh, they really got to think about the value of, of, of that also.
0: Yeah, agreed. And you, you touched a little bit on, you know, working from home for extended period of time. So, you know, I, I usually maintain pretty high balances and status on different airlines, travel a lot to support different leadership teams. But with little to no variance in your routine. you know, I think it can put people in introspective places. So from a personal perspective, did you discover something about yourself during this time or something that you may have forgotten about yourself?
1: Hmm. I work from home normally when I'm not in class. And so I, I'm not as disciplined as I would like myself to be. Let's just leave it at that. But Devin, on the other hand, you know, I'm look at the opposite side of the question. I really appreciate more the classrooms, the students, the interactions, the faces. When you see the light bulbs go on over their heads, like, oh, now I get this. That kind of feedback is so and so important. Restaurants. You know, I miss restaurants. I miss going out. I miss travel. I love to travel. I miss that too. So, and I guess the bottom line of of what I really miss is the personal professional freedom that we've lost. And I'm hoping we get that back real soon.
0: Yeah. So talking about things that you miss uh, in a similar vein of thought, is there anything that was extraordinarily important to you before this happened that's no longer important to you at all personally, professionally?
1: Hmm. Interesting question.
0: I'll give you an example. One of mine is, you know, again, going back to the the status and traveling and getting some of the perks that go along with having the statuses on airlines. I, I may be rethinking of how I'm going to conduct business. And is that much travel needed to sustain the level of business that I currently do or did? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I agree, Devin. Um, I'm kind of the same way with my consulting. You know, why do I need to travel there when we could do it with a webinar or, you know, Zoom or something like that? Uh, the classroom, you know, I've taken online classes, I've given online classes. Some classes lend themselves well to doing that, you know. But others, you just need that interface, especially, I'll I'll make fun of my friends at Harvard, the liberal arts classes. You really need that interaction one-on-one, not one-on-one, but in a classroom to share. And that's really hard to do online. So good question. I'd have to think about that a little longer.
0: No, great. So the world is watching to see if we're all moving into a new normal, which I think a lot of people are in agreement that we are. But I'm talking about a hypothetical where there could be a flu season, a pneumonia season, a coronavirus season, sometimes everything all at once simultaneously. So if you're following this hypothetical with me, what do you want to incorporate into future planning for crises or
1: rather pandemics? Okay. Number one is remote leadership. Well, number one is leadership, making sure that there are people in charge who are trained and exercised and can do it. And one thing I'm sure you've learned as well as I have is people who have worked their way up the corporate ladder are not necessarily good leaders in a crisis. They requires a special skill, a special understanding, a special personality. Quite bluntly, anyone can put numbers together, to become treasurer. With all due respect to my treasurer friends, but leading in a crisis, completely different skill set. Communications again cannot emphasize that enough. Using that, uh, you know, uh, frequently and 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 deeply. Uh, Work from home is going to be important. So I recommend the work from home drills, work from home days, work from home weeks. Uh, One thing we joke about was a lack of toilet paper and hand sanitizer, which here I still can't get good hand sanitizer. But, uh, you know, supplies, uh, that's going to be something when the next one hits and there will be a next one. Are we going to have all the equipment supplies that we need? How do you write a check from a corporation distantly? Uh, That's been something people have learned, you know, they're going to try to get rid of the paperwork, but not all paper can be gotten rid of. And some documents do need to be signed. So they need to look at those processes to make um, to make this happen. So it's going to be different. It's not going to be harder. It's just going to be different.
0: So last question down the road. What are you going to tell your kids, grandkids, the next generation as classes come through your school uh, as they enter the workforce in terms of
1: learnings from this? I would say three things. One is don't take life, family, and friends for granted. You never know when something like this can hit and family and friends are disrupted. Life goes away. For each victim in the um, in the pandemic worldwide, there's a family who are, who is grieving. So don't take family for granted. Don't take friends for granted. And just don't take life for granted. Number two is I would say with, with working together, we can get through tough times. You know, my parents and grandparents made it through the depression. You know, they didn't like it. And this is nowhere near as bad as that. But they said with, with work, with, with help, with friends, you can get through anything. And so we're going to do that. We're going to get through this. We're going to come out better for it at the other end when this is all through. And the third thing I would tell my um, family and friends, and especially my children and grandchildren, wash your hands often
0: that's sage and simple advice (laughs) that can go a long way you got it all right well steve thanks for carving out some time today i really appreciate you being a guest on pandemic buzz and uh, enjoyed the conversation thoroughly
1: me too devin thanks uh, very much
0: thanks again for listening to pandemic buzz Please like and share this podcast with your colleagues and be sure to catch our next episode.